Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to Aboriginal elders emerging. Oh, shit. I've got a call from, from the warden because I'm in quarantine. Hello? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. No symptoms, I'm great, thanks. Will do, thank you. Bye. Is that what they do? Do they call you every day? Yeah. All the time. The first the first couple of days, they would ring me like every hour and they go, do you have any questions? And eventually I went, yeah, when will these calls stop? <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I get two calls a day and I have to take the call. It's like that's my warden checking in, like, you know. So it's like, how are you? Do you have any symptoms? Do you have any questions? But I must say... So we've got full medical here. There's nurses and doctors and stuff, but they also have psychiatrists. So if you feel overwhelmed or whatever, you can phone them and go, I need to talk to someone. And then you get to talk to the psychiatrist about how you feel claustrophobic, how you feel whatever, you know. That's awesome because I feel claustrophobic sometimes when I hear there's 400 new cases or something. In my own house, I feel claustrophobic. So I get in there, you could, yeah. It's a nice big room, looks like. Yeah, yeah it's a nice room. It's, uh, I mean, you can see how dark it is. There's no natural light and I don't get any sunshine, which is really, yeah. you, you don't realise how much you rely on sunshine to keep you sane and to get that. But in saying that, I, I'm actually a lot calmer than I thought I'd be. I thought I'd be climbing the walls by now, but I'm so busy and I haven't even had time to really start my puzzle, which I was looking forward to. Yeah, but how many security guards have you rooted? Fourteen. Yeah, good, good, yeah. good. That's you got to keep busy, or you'll go crazy. Keep the numbers up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. No, no, because I'm in Sydney. We don't have security. <gasps> we've got the army and we've got Ooh. the police. And they said, "Don't open your door." Really? They were not fucking around. When we got here, they go, "Don't open your door. Don't go outside. Don't even think about it. You cannot stroll down the passage. You don't have a key. If you open that doors to get the food and then close it again." You don't have a key. No. And you know what I saw? Because there's another comic that's isolating here, um, Felicity Ward. Yeah, right. She's got a little apartment, right? She's got a kitchen. I was like, man, that's amazing. So, Because you, you can order shit. Like I can order shit from the supermarket. I'm like, oh, that's great. You can order shit and make your own food. That's nice. She goes, nah, because they disconnect everything, the stove, the t- you don't have a toaster or anything because, of course, they can't have a fire because you can't evacuate. You don't have keys, we don't have, you know, it'll be an absolute nightmare if the fire alarm goes off. 
then we all have to isolate again. Oh, so I'm like, this is full on. Mm. But they do take good care of us. I'm Michelle Laurie, and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee, stories about the guts and the glory of life. This week, we're visiting with South African slash New Zealand comedian Ursula Carlson, who's in quarantine in a hotel in Sydney because she's replacing Lindsay Lohan as a judge on Australia's Masked Singer. All of that speaks to two things. Firstly, anything is possible in these COVID times. And secondly, anything is possible if you're a comedian. Ursula Carlson's pre-comedy life has given her a particular set of life skills that might make her the perfect woman for our times. Her second Netflix special, Overqualified Loser, is available now, and it's fantastic. Like, I don't identify as fat, but I've definitely, you know, I'm, I'm quite a few meals ahead and a few shits behind, so... <laughs> to know that if those two things don't line up, you can never be your goal away. Mm. <laughs> Ursula's producing a documentary series while she's in quarantine, which you can see on all of her social media channels. She was planning her next instalment when we caught up for a chat. <laughs> yeah, I think today's one I'm going to focus on the scientists. They reckon now two years. They reckon not, not next year, the year after, probably. Like, that's too long. It's a long time. But I thought I was reading all the headlines saying that they found the cure, haven't they? In the today? UK, where they've ordered, like, 100 million, you know, I'm like, everyone just calm down. Uh, <laughs> because those same scientists have said, even if they go, go today and say, this is the cure, you mix a bit of bicarb and you shove it up your left nostril while you shove a, <laughs> shove a jelly baby in your asshole, it's still going to take two years for this whole thing to, yeah. Oh, no. I thought it was find a cure today, order jelly babies, stretch asshole. Shove it up. And that's it. Tomorrow we all go back to Bali. Nah. No, because the people who have it, all this, you know, it still needs to be flattened. It still needs to get out, apparently. Oh, wow. But it's so difficult because everyone's like, yeah, well, like with the masks now. They go, well, you you said in the beginning the mask. I'm like, you know what? Shit changes. It's the same like what? So you're one of those people that have a kid and then if the kid acts out, you go, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> I have a book here. That says this shouldn't be happening. It's like, dude, shit changes. Like, yeah. The book said you rock from side to side, you pat it, and it stops. It's, it's warm, it's fed, why aren't it sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, you can't see your kids. How long are you in quarantine I'm for? Two weeks in Sydney, then four weeks in Melbourne, then two weeks in quarantine in Auckland, and then so eight weeks away from them. And they're really, really used to you not being away from them for now, for the past seven months, yeah. But before that, I'd be away. But I, I'd never be away for more than two, three days without them. If it gets to four days, I take them with me. But, of course, this time it's different. It's, like, you know, different. I remember in South Africa during the Angolan War where my dad and all my uncle, all the men basically in the suburb had to go. You know, they were off on army camps or on the border patrolling. And it was just that was normal, you know. You were just one parent down and no one, you know, 
So, and that's just, like, I just figured that's the kids will get used to this now. This is our new normal. I'll be home for three months, but then I have to be away for two months and then I'll be back again. Yeah. Are you frustrated by, we Australians and New Zealanders, I guess, by our sort of lack of resilience around this? We are so incredibly lucky and we are so unused to having our lives disrupted, mate. It is weird. And I think those people who are kicking against it, who goes, this is, I'm not wearing a mask. It's because, you know, that feeling when you lie in bed at night and you go, I can't believe this shit is happening. This is not, this is insane. But they, they go with that feeling all day long. That's that's the problem. It's like they can't let they can't get over that hump and go, Well, we are all in this together. This is our new reality. They don't get over that. They're like, This shit is insane. I'm just gonna go with this vibe all the time. I guess they're probably the same people who lie in bed at night going, No, I'm not forty. I'm just not Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fine to send this dick pic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She wants it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we literally just had a politician in New Zealand have to resign today, hashtag fired, because he sent some porn and dick pics and sexually explicit messages to a girl in university, first year university, and he doesn't know what's wrong with that, apart from the fact that he's married, apart from all of that other shit. Now he goes, he's been going through a real tough time. I'm like, we all go through tough shit, mate. We don't send dick pics and pornographic images to kids. You know, find your therapist. But now, imagine being married to that. Because uh, you have to go through all of that and are married to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if you fuck up, at least you go, I, I was made in a weird way, you know. This, it, <laughs> whereas if, if it's your partner, it's like, I chose this. I didn't have to. And then you have to decide what to do about it. Yeah. Are you, you going to stand by your man or are you like, I'm out of here? Yeah. I didn't know this shit. I did yeah. not get that. But Mate, I'm out the door so quick. I'm just not the, you know, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the type to push through any major disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to my documentary. I'm in Sydney in quarantine. A lot of posts that I've been reading about people quarantining have not been very positive. Um, so far I've had four naps. I've not brushed my hair since I've been here and it's been 24 hours. I'm not wearing a bra or pants at this stage. All my meals have been provided. Yeah, pretty sweet. Well, day two and quarantine and I'm not sad I just had the test done and they whoo they're really getting the back there welcome to documentary Sydney day three um I have cracked and I'm going to build this puzzle now hello and welcome to my documentary day five um still going well you know haven't Felt like leaving the room yet, which is positive. The puzzle is not progressing at all. Well, I think today's only, is it day five or day six? It's day six.
Yeah, because I've seen Day 5's documentary, so it can't yeah. be still Day yeah. 5. I'm no. sure it feels it. Oh, and I, I forgot to upload Day 4 on my fan page. So I put it on Instagram, I put it on TikTok, I put it on my Facebook, and then I forgot to put it on my fan page. So then I, I load Day 5 and people are going, oh, my God, I was wondering where Day 4 is. <laughs> I was wondering if you were all right. I'm like, it's there. And then I realised, oh, shit, it's not. So I had to quickly load it for them. I can't imagine forgetting to do something. I mean... Surely that's what you're living for. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm real busy still. Like I, What are you doing? I wake up early because I do radio interviews and stuff in New Zealand and because they're ahead. So I wake up at like 7 in the morning and do radio stuff and then podcasts and TV stuff. And so I'm just in front of the Zoom screen most of the day. My daughter, you know, my kids are doing the homeschooling. Yeah. How old are they? They're 10. There's a lot of the kids got various forms of, uh, I don't know what, PTSD or something from the Zoom. Yeah, they would. She says she feels like she's being watched all day after she's been on Zoom all week. Are you getting some kind of the shudders? Are you dreaming yeah. about Zoom? Yeah, no, uh, totally. But also I saw a clip of me this morning on um, Ed and Dave's show, uh, Ed Cavalier and Dave Hughes, and um, my hair was just completely, like, not brushed at all. There's just this... <laughs> I'm going full dreadlock because I've got really curly hair and I didn't even I didn't touch a brush or nothing and I didn't like I was expecting a phone call or you know it was going to be on the radio but they recorded a little clip I looked like I was dragged backwards through a bush and then left on the riverbanks for a few days I looked (laughs) you know and then found disheveled in the forest um and then did this interview and um, you can see in the Zoom, I'm not ashamed at all. I'm like, this is it. This is wild me. But then I'm like, oh, shit, I might need to brush my hair occasionally. Yeah, but this is what we're all, this is what we all look like. I mean, I don't think anyone's noticing or thinking any less of you. No, no, I don't actually think so. No, this is part of your appeal anyway, which you know, you're in every woman. This is what we love about you. That you, you're one of those, you say things that the rest of us think and are too scared to say and all that. Although, you know? can I just say, Donald Trump has ruined that. Like, in the past, I would take that as a compliment going, you say what we all feel. and I'm, <laughs> But in my mind, I'm like, I'm saying, don't be a dickhead. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And we all think it. But then Donald Trump came along and all of his supporters are going, he's saying what we feel. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's no longer a compliment. <laughs> no, but in Australia, Pauline Hanson's been saying that for years. I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. And you're oh. not, bitch. You're no, really no not. No one's on board. No. It's like, it's like you're you're the only one in the street kicking the ball. No one's with you, bitch. Go inside. You're crazy. Yeah, right. No, no. And you would be doing a lot of interviews, though, because of the Masked Singer thing. And so when that was announced, I mean, Husey is an everyman as well. So the fact that you both are judging is great fun. And the fact that they replaced Lindsay Lohan with you is so out of left field but fun. <laughs> I mean, what do you yeah. reckon? You just know... That poor wardrobe lady, you know, because I imagine, like, wardrobe people are always like, oh, my God, I had so much fun. I bought these stilettos and they've got all these Swarovski crystals and with me. So we got you the blue Crocs and the red Crocs. Uh (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. And the caftan. Tell me your experience about being dressed. It's it's very caftan-y. Because I'm triggered. I got an email the other day for a photo shoot and they said at the end, oh, and can you just shoot us through your sizes? Yeah. And I just, I I melted down. Mm. Not because I'm afraid of my sizes. I'm like, I'll tell you my sizes. 18 to 20 and a 10. That's my shoe size, the last one. But 
I said to her, look, what I, I'm triggered by is the rack of clothes I know I'm going to show up and see, you know? Yeah. You get there and you see all the other ladies' beautiful clothes and then you turn around and see your fucking mother of the bride rack. Yeah, you get to the floral <laughs> ship. Oh, my God, the black pants, all the, the three pairs of black pants and all those floral caftans and long, yeah. silky, and you look and, like and a, and a fabric In the fabric that you go... This is not going to be flattering. Oh, mate. I'm going to I'm gonna look like um, one of those pearl sealers, you know, the foil that they wrap over. Yeah. The, that's, that's going to be me. No. So I have these, um, some some ladies, some of the, um, you know, the, the of, you know. Stylists. They, stylists. They, they do a great job. Yeah. But some you go, have you met a bigger lady? So with this one too, they go, we need your measurements. And I went, no. I said, look, I'm built like a brick shit house. <laughs> I'm, I'm a size 20 from top to toe with a size 9 shoe. Lock it in. And they go, yeah, we want your measurements. And I'm like, well, I can't give it to you. Okay. I don't even own a fucking measuring tape. I'm telling you. Who that's owns what a it measuring is. tape? Yeah. What it was, is 1950. I go, yeah. just get, actually, I do have a sewing machine and a measuring tape, but that's none of their goddamn business. I go, I go, I, I'm not going to do it. Just, you know, I'll bring good underwear uh, and you make sure the shit that you put on top. Because usually they go all out, we need your measurement. And then you get there and you go, oh, you, you got these from Target, did you? All, all of these are from Target. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, why did I bother yeah. when you, you've got 14 caftans in a row? Oh, or what's worse than that is when they've got size 14s and they go, well, just, just try it. Just give it a go. And I go, mate, I don't have to, though. And uh, my head won't fit yes. <laughs> Just try it. And then they make yeah. you walk in front of them in it. And then they go, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Isn't that it? does not. Yeah. No, I, you know what? But I, the beauty now, because I'm, I'm 45 years old, mm. I just go, I'm not doing that. And not being mean, but I know me and I know what I'm going to be comfortable with. And it's not that shit. Okay, I'm I've, I'm never going to be in saying that too. Sometimes I go, I have to trust the system because I have tried stuff on where I go, oh, I actually fucking like this a lot, you know. But I feel like in the past, when I was younger, I'd get defensive and I could come off like a bit of a bitch and sort of go, no, no, no. Whereas now I can be honest and say everything we've just said, and then they'll be kinder. Yeah, and you're more likely to get help even now i'm waiting because they're going out and and also now like in the past they go we got you some heels we know you said no but and then you look and you go oh there's only stilettos there um so now i go listen no heels because not i'm sitting no one's going to see my feet why am i murdering my feet here yeah. You know, like they don't even see my, I can go in my pajama pants and a blouse. Let's, let's knock this out. I'm going to be sitting on my ass behind a desk. I don't need stilettos at this point. Um, and also we're not rushing the stage at any time. I go, no heels. I'm telling you no heels. Okay. So they go to the show and they go, take my number and WhatsApp me. So they send photos and then I send a tick for yes or a skull for no. skull. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and try and keep me out of a polyester suit. Like, that's kind of all I want. No stilettos and no polyester suit. The thing about being a stand-up is you have to be on stage in front of people all the time. You have to find a way to dress yourself where you feel powerful and confident. We can see you in lots of comedy specials where you obviously, you look great, you feel great, and you feel strong and powerful. So there's your template. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm, I'm comfortable. 
So let's go with that. Where if you feel comfortable, then all that other shit comes to it. You feel confident. Then you, then you feel stronger. Then you feel more power. You know, like you, you feel like your voice will be heard. But if you feel like, oh God, I need to. Is my tit hanging out? Is my? Can you see something? You know, you're oh, not. It's not. No. Or if you can't breathe because they've got you like wrapped up in spandex underneath. Yeah. And... No. The minute they go, uh, so can you bring some spanks? I'm like, no, I can't <laughs> because you know what, I I might want to sit there and eat. Um, lunch at some point or have a cup of tea without scared that I'm going to pop something like a balloon put under pressure. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The latest special, I watched and I just watched it again, and it's so funny. Overqualified loser, right? But it makes me wonder, the whole purpose of it, it seems to me, is to encourage other people and empower other people and say to them, you're not a loser. If you if you think this and you think that makes you a loser, it doesn't, which is beautiful. Did you at some point think you were a loser? And if so, when did it change? How did it change? Well, I mean, I think everyone sort of has a thing. Like, I, I've always been confident. <laughs> like, And I think that comes from my mum, you know, where she's like, you can do whatever you want. And I truly believe that. I truly, I watched a movie in high school with my brother uh, called Samantha. And in it, the whole slogan for the thing is like her whole life, she just goes, if they can do it, I can do it, or it can't be done. So my entire late teens and my 20s were just that. If they can do it, I can do it, or it can't be done. Like if anyone can do it, I should be, like I fully believe I can become well, like I can do brain surgery. Sure, I have to go to university and I have to be, you know, it'll take years, but I can do it. Like I'm 100% confident of it. Certain things I know I can't. Like I think it's being honest with yourself and the older you get, the more you get into that zone where you're like, I know myself now and I know what I can and cannot do or what I'm prepared. Like, you know, when you're younger, you sort of risk things, but... Now I don't. I'm like, no, no, it's cool. I don't need it to, you know, boost me up or nothing, you know, like I, I'm com- comfortable uh, with myself. So, no, I didn't really, I, you know, I didn't really feel like a loser. I think the whole thing came from because I see the bullying in schools. My My brother and sister both have teenagers at home now. And I see what they're going through. And now my kids are three and my daughter just turned seven. And now she's starting school and already you see it. You see the bullying in school. Oh, mate. Yeah, at 10. Yeah, it's intense. And the, and the online bullying in their little WhatsApp group is full it's on. It's crazy. So I'm like, you know what? Um, the more I sort of sat and thought about it, and I talked to my nephews especially a lot, you know, the two oldest ones, and I'm like, if you own your own shit, you know, and you go, all right, let's just unpack what we have, right? 
You go, yeah, I am, you know, because loser is something they say all the time. Teenagers say loser all the time. If you have a teenager at home, you'll hear the word loser about 50,000 times a day. <laughs> so I was like, you know, if you if you just honest with yourself, go, yeah, I do this stuff that could see me as being a loser, um, but so does everyone else. You know, there's so yeah. many things and there will be so many more in my future. Like as adults, this shit doesn't stop. It just carries on. We just sort of don't, we're not as saturated. The only difference between adults and kids is when you're um, a kid, you're in an environment where you're with hundreds of people your age and you're in the same situation and you're, like my brother calls it the milk loin. You will never be in school again, you know, with your peers, with people your age, with exactly what you're going through, with the same needs and the same wants as you, ever in your life, as in the milk line, you know, where you, like you won't. He says, but there's benefits to everything. Like when you're in the milk line, it's easier to make friends because you're surrounded by people with exactly the same wants and needs as you and going through exactly the same situation. Whereas as an adult, you don't have the milk line, so it's a whole mixture of different people. So, so it's easier to make friends, but it's also harder because those people can pick on you because they know exactly what you're going through. And it's easier to pick on people because you know all their buttons because you have it too. So, so, But if you own your shit, like with, go, yeah, I'm a loser and I will probably be a loser again at some point, then it's hard for people to bully. Like I always say to my nephew, I go, if you have a tail, then you should go out and be proud of your tail. Say to people, <laughs> look at my tail. It, it wags when I'm happy. And then when, when people try and bully you about it, go, oh, you've got a tail. You go, I know, I showed you. Boom. You've taken the wind out of the sails. They cannot bully you for it. So I'm like, we need to take back that stuff, you know, so. Yeah. It's like the way you talk so much about your weight. I talked about it a little bit in stand-up, but I remember just saying that I realised that I didn't talk about being overweight because I thought it was a secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought if I didn't mention it, no one else would realise yeah. for a long time. Do you get much pushback about that? Because I've had other women comedians say things like, oh, I, I won't talk about my body because, you know, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a woman talking about her weight and all that all the time. But then other women who say, yes, I do talk about it because it's put upon us anyway. So I want to be the person who talks about it. And it's liberating. Well, I mean, especially now after the special came out, because in the special I talk about anti-vaxxers and I go, you know, like you do what you want to do, but we vaccinate because we understand words and, you know, <laughs> and to be nice to anti-vaxxers because they have sick kids at home. Um, so out of that, of course, I had heaps of people go, well, like I'm going to take advice from a fat bitch, you know, health advice from a fat bitch. And I'm like... People will find that thing. That's, again, like if you have a tail, talk about it because um, it, it disarms it. It's like, you know, people call me fat online all the time. I go, well, you're fat. I go, I know. Like I've built a career on it. Thank you so much, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if they can see it, I think you should address it, disarm it, and carry on. And because, like you say, there's a lot of people sitting in the audience going through that shit. Like, I don't think there's a bigger angst in people's lives than their weight and the way they look. So if you go out and go, no one's perfect. Even the hottest people in the room, you know, you can be perfect body shape. There's something that someone hates about themselves. Yeah. You know, like that's how we're programmed as human beings. Like, you may as well address it. And say to people, I'm comfortable with this. And I would say, if, if you address it quickly and you go, this is my shit, 
and it's got nothing to do with you, then other people can't hurt you because I was going, you can't hurt me. I've been rejected by better, you know. <laughs> I've been hurt by better. So you on your Twitter account or your Facebook account, it, it does nothing to me. Like I just click block and I never even think about you anymore. Even if you put together a whole campaign of hate, I literally will not remember your name in a day or two because there's so much positive stuff that comes through from it. In reality, you are a 45-year-old woman who is talented, has a family who loves you, and you've just become famous in a second country, which I think is really a pretty great achievement. Like, do you feel that? Do you feel, like, pretty empowered by that? You've just conquered another country. No, I don't really think about that. Like, I'm still amazed. I always say I'm still amazed. Whenever I walk out on stage and there's an audience there, I'm like... How did you guys know? <laughs> you know, like, like when my when I just started in comedy and yeah, started in New Zealand. So I went full time comedy ten years ago, and I started doing comedy twelve years ago for the first time. And then you know, if eight tickets sold, I'd I'd ring my friend Elizabeth. I go, did you just buy eight tickets? And she goes, yeah, I did. It's my work. You know, <laughs> like I would know exactly who's in the audience. Like I go, Monday night's my work friends. Tuesday night is her work friends. Wednesday, you know, like I'd stagger it. Whereas now, like I walk out and I'm like, there's a whole theatre of people to see me. Like it's, uh, I still find it amazing. I find, or sometimes I'll be out with the kids and people will look at me and I'll go, hi, how are you? Like I'm genuinely, I'm like, why are you staring at me? And then I realise they know me from Tali or whatever. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it's fun. My mum lives with me and I just said to her this morning, um, you know, I've got it, I'm doing a Zoom. She's like, oh, who are you talking to? I said, Ursula Carlson. She goes, oh my God, I love her. And she just listed off all these things that she'd seen you in and seen you on. And, you know, so yeah, you've got, you've got that name recognition. You know, she's a, I don't know, 70 year old lady. You're just, just rocking around the place. You know, that's nice, right? Yeah, that's great. Say hi to your mum. It hasn't changed me. I always say like, when you hear, you know, people's stories about, you know, when they heard about their Netflix special, when they got the call, where they were and what what they were doing. So when I got the call for the first one, that Comedians of the World thing, that we filmed in Montreal a couple of years ago, I was at home um, and I had hired a, a wood splitter, a log splitter, <laughs> from, you know, from the, yep. from the, the tool rental place and... Like, it's quite loud, it's massive, and I was doing that, and my brother was helping me. He was chopping up with an axe, you know, and I was pushing the... So I got the call, I shut the machine down, I took the call, and I sort of wave at him, and he takes his earmuffle off. I go, oh, my God, that was Netflix. They just offered me a 30-minute special on Comedians of the World. I go, like, I was just blown away. And he goes, um, you probably want to fire that thing up again. We only have it for another, like, hour. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, fair, cool. Yeah, muffler's on and I started splitting wood. What year was that? When was that? That was two years ago. Yeah, split three cubes after I heard the news. And then with, <laughs> with this call that I got for this one, uh, I was in Melbourne and I met the girls from Netflix. They came to the show and then stayed for selfies. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I got a call about a week later. But I was sitting on the floor in the lounge changing my son's nappy, and number two. Oh, Pretty impressive God. number two. Yeah. And um, we've got a Labrador, so, you know, <laughs> it's full on to try and keep the dog away from the baby. Yeah. So I'm changing his nappy and then I get the phone call to say that I've got a, they want to offer me a one-hour special of my own, global, on the homepage, the whole thing. 
And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But the whole time I've got my foot out trying to get the Labrador off the, <laughs> the nappy and trying to keep my son's hips straight so he doesn't roll around because I haven't had a chance to wipe. I've just taken the nappy off like, yeah. a, you know, and then I got the call and I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so there's no changing. It's like when you have kids, when you have, you know, sort of. Yeah. The only way that I think it has changed me is um, a comedy in general, not just the specials, but even, you know, say the last five, six years is because, um, you know, I grew up extremely poor, like very poor. And then um, as an immigrant, there's no money, you know, like you have no money for a very long time. So, but for the last five or six years, I've sort of been more financially free that I have more options and I can say no to certain jobs and I can, so that is new to me because I've never my entire life been, you know, sort of financially secure, if you will. Uh So, but now it's like, oh, I don't have to worry. So that worry has been taken off me, which has been a huge thing for me. I think there's something different too about people who start comedy, I'm going to say later, at 35. Um, I started at 20 and a lot of people in my circle of friends and my sort of generation of comedians, we I'm the same age as you, but we started at 20. There's yeah. a whole big gang of us. I don't know, there's just a, a, a oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's a positive, definitely, mm-hmm. about your attitude and your. there's a lightness about your being, you know, in terms of your comedy still that I think that we, a lot of us have lost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you, what's your observation? Yeah, well, I, like when I just got into comedy, because I was in my 30s and, you know, I kind of thought I'm not going to, I don't want to struggle financially. I don't want it to be a hardship, a hard, you know, like I'd struggled enough. I was at the point where I'm like, I don't want to couch surf. I don't want to, you know. So how did you not? Because, I mean, it was one, we did. I mean, it was one thing to be broke when you're 20, you know, and you yeah, don't but have because any. Because when you're young and you're struggling and you're having fish and chips on the beach and you're laughing and, and you're having a scrumpy and, you know, like. The, What's a scrumpy? Uh, <laughs> a cider, <laughs> one of those two-litre bottles of so- Oh, right, 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 yeah. That's almost romantic, isn't it? It's like you look back and you go, like I had the same, but I was working in pubs and stuff as I was doing an apprenticeship type setting. You know, you want to struggle almost when you're young because it's romantic, but then the older you get, the less fun it is. It's like, oh, now I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want to be making my own kitchen utensils in my 40s, you know. (laughs) I want the good stuff. I want the good coffee machine. I don't want to drink cheap coffee. I don't want the cheap toilet paper that gives me paper cuts in my asshole. You know, yeah. I, you want a certain <laughs> level of comfort, and you're like, why am I still struggling when I'm 45 years old? You know, you sort of, it, like I say, the romance leaves the poverty. You know, where you go, oh, yeah. it's not, it's no longer cool. So when I just started, and I even said to to my wife at the time, I, I go. I'm not going to, I go, it's either balls to the wall and I'm going to do this hard out. And I work, and I still do, very hard. Like I would do, on average, six gigs a week. Um, Sometimes I'll do, like especially when I just started out during festivals, I can do between five and ten shows a night, you know. some Like I'll do two of my own shows and then I'll do line-up shows, you know. I'll literally run from one venue to the other and just do as much as I can because I'm like, I am not going to struggle. Even if I do um, five gigs for $40 each, 
annoyed. So I get the money, but I also get the stage time. And while I was doing that, I was still freelancing and doing on the side copywriting and photo retouching. And so I was extremely tired in the beginning, you know, and even today I still have my Photoshop subscription now so that I can stay on top of it. So if the wheels fall off, I'm going back to that because I'm not going to struggle it's just not on the cards for me. I'm beyond that. I don't want to do that anymore. And I think just that hunger, just that thing in my head where I'm like, failure is not an option here. I'm either going to do it. And, and also because then once I went pro, you know, full-time comedy, that's when we had our first kid, basically. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to struggle here. I don't want my kids to go through that angst where you go, oh, there's no money for anything. There's no, you know, we can't do any extracurricular activities because there's no money. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So it's it's like you have the, the life experience by the time you started comedy. You clearly had the talent. So from the very beginning, you must have had enough feedback and enough positive feedback, enough good gigs when you were very early on to know that you could do it. Well, I mean, I did for a year there. After I decided, go, that's it, I'm going to do it. For a year, solid, I just was not very good. I was not. It was not a very good experience, but there must have been enough laughs, though, for you to think, "Oh, I'll, I'll go again. I'll try again." You know what? I think after that, like, so the first year was great. Then the second year was when it was just really not good at all. I just got to a phase there where I was like, "Okay, I I know there's some. I know it's there, but I don't know how to f- fix it or how to get to it." But I know if I keep going, it'll it'll come. It's almost like I got that first hit, it was good. And now I was just trying my best to get that hit again. And then, but it took me, it's like, you know, with anything, like even I used to work for um, in a factory, like, and, and the first year or so I wasn't very good at it, but I didn't even realise I wasn't very good at it. It was only when I started getting really good at it that I realised, oh, fuck, the first year wasn't very good at all. I didn't know that, but it was fun, you know, but then you eventually just get to a point where like, oh, I see how it works. And then so I, I actually needed that year that wasn't very good to pick all the mistakes that I was making. So it was good. It's funny, isn't it, when you start doing stand-up, you never know if you're going to have a good gig or not. But then you cross this threshold where you just know how to do it and then you don't really have bad gigs after that unless something goes terribly wrong. But, yeah, some one day you just kind of learn how to do it. Yeah, when you go, even if it's bad, I know how to fix it. Yeah, exactly, or I know what I did or whatever. Yeah, or, but also I'm real honest with the audience. Like I'll go, this isn't going very well, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any nerves? Because people will say to me now before something, anything, any public speaking thing, because we forget, I think we forget that for most people, public speaking is the most terrifying thing. But for us, it's just not. Do you have any nerves at all? Yeah, I suffer terribly from stage fright. Oh, do you? Terribly. No way. Yeah. I always say that, but when I'm standing side of stage, you know, before you go on, that like five minutes when you're sort of there, you're ready. And then they call your name or you get introduced and then where you walk from the side of stage to the microphone. That is the longest walk for me. And the whole time while I'm standing side of stage, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? I've got other stuff that I can fall. I can go back to advertising. I can go back to printing. I can, why am I doing this shit? Even now. Even now. Even now when they're all there to see you. Even now. I Like I get, I get like, panicky just thinking about it just thinking about that walkout I can see that but then once I'm out once I I take the mic out of the stand and I put the mic stand here 
And by the time I turn, then I'm fine. Like not even the first laugh. I just need to survive that. And then, oh, then I'm fine. <sighs> wow, that's all, yeah. I could see you and and hear your breathing get shallow. Yeah, and that's awesome. I had a big break once, and then I came back and did a one woman show. And my intro music was Robbie Williams' "Let Me Entertain You." And still to this day, when I hear that song, I go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Don't you read that. it's insane. It's like so. I've, I'm really good friends. I call her my straight wife, um, Irene. Irene Pink. She's also a comedian. Um, she's Polynesian, comic based in New Zealand, and she um, she suffers really bad with stage fright. And that's kind of the thing that got us together initially. You know, just our sheer terror of the stage. And now, but the thing, the difference is, like, I love it so much. I love being out on stage, and I love performing and I I love telling jokes so much whereas for her she goes that thing afterwards you know when you come off stage and that buzz that you feel and that that almost hero worship from the crowd she goes that thing that feeds you she goes it's not enough to sustain her to keep her going back so she'll but she still loves she loves comedy so she'll do like maybe two shows a year and she's so good. She'll be amazing. But she's so, so some, like being, you know, talking to her kind of keeps me on the track in the sense of I know if I give in to the stage fright, then I won't have this as a job. Oh, this can't be it. Yeah. Isn't comedy a great world, though? Don't you meet the best people and... Yeah. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. I love how I didn't even know the jobs that come off the side of this thing. You know, from copywriting to stage, like I've done acting, I've done, you know, it's amazing. Like I've done the weirdest stuff since I've started doing this. And when I used to work for the newspaper in South Africa, I thought this is the best job ever because no day is the same. But then I started doing comedy and I'm like, you don't even know what your job entails. Like you can get a job going, um, so we're looking for someone we can dunk in the river. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, I guess that's my job. I'll be yeah. there. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, will you be a judge on The Masked Singer? Because Lindsay Lohan can't come back. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, and like I always say I won't do reality TV shows. Me neither. No, that's just not for me. Like, you're never going to see me in Big Brother. You're never, ever, as long as God is my witness and there's grass on earth and water in the ocean, I will not go on the jungle or dancing or any anywhere where they do, where they mean to each other. No. You know, I can't stand that. Like, if there's a Simon Cowell type scenario, like, even when they said, do you want to be on the panellists for this thing? I'm like, is, is anyone mean? And they go, no, there's no mean. It's like a talent competition and you basically, it's more about guessing who's oh, like, yeah, I can do that. I know. And everyone's talented and everyone's like kind. And Danny Minogue is one of the most beautiful human beings in the world. She's so such a kind, I mean, I don't know her. I've met her a couple of times and she's just the sweetest, kindest, most generous person. She takes me Every day, like about four or five times, are you okay? How's it going? You know, like. And Husey, same. Husey's like, is just a, such a generous, kind person. You're just going to have such a lovely time. Yeah, man. Even Jackie, she's also messaging me the whole time. Do you need anything? I'm like, these, these people don't know me from a bar of soap. Jackie, I was messaging me, mate, can I send you something? I'm like. Yes. Uh. <laughs> 
You're so right. Kyle, both of them, Kyle and Jack both, have been very kind to me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, holy hell, this is great. So now I'm having, like, I had less than 24 hours to get my shit in a bag and come over from when I found out. No business like it. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah, that's what I say. Oh, this is part of the job. This is part of comedy. Okay. Because before I went, I before I did my um, first open mic night, before I ever did stand-up, I'd never even been to a stand-up show. I didn't even know it was a thing. How did you know how to write it? I didn't. I just... You just learn on the, on the yeah, job, Yeah, no, eh? because my mate just kept saying, you're so funny. And I go... And he was, like, a massive comedy fan. He still is. Like, and then he signed me up to do it. And I was like... I go, what would I talk about? He goes, exactly the shit you talked about this morning. Talk about that on stage. What's the dream for you? Are you a, a five-year plan person? Or? Yeah, I am. I Because I never think... I don't think you ever get to a point where you're like, I've made it. You know, I think if you get there, then you're dead or you retire. This is my passion. This is what I love. This is, I feel like I was born to do this. Like, as soon as I started, I'm like, this is it. Like, even I'm scared of it. There's, but I think it's healthy too. Like, I get nervous if I'm not scared, <laughs> you know, then I'm like, this is obviously going to suck because I'm not scared. And then I get scared because I'm not scared. And then the fear's back, which is good. Like, I always thought as a comic, if you go and do Just for Laughs in Montreal, then that's it. You've you've cracked it. But but I've done it twice. So now I'm like, and even while I was doing it, I'm like, what's next? What, you know, what else can I? And then I thought Netflix special. So now I've got two. And I'm like, okay, what's next? So I reckon um, the way I see it is um, the specials out there. Ellen will see it. I will go on Ellen. Then Oprah will watch Ellen and she'll go, oh, who's this? And then she'll organise an interview with me and then she'll, oh, you've got a book. And then she'll read the book and she'll put it on a book club and then Michelle Obama will read it and Gail will read it and all of a sudden I'm best friends with Oprah and Gail and Michelle Obama. And then, so that's a five-year plan. I haven't given it a lot of thought, but that's basically <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, you've, you've done all right so far. Yeah, so I'll keep you posted, read Oprah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Please. Oh, well, you probably won't need to because I'll You'll just know. I'll see it on Instagram. Yeah. So, so both both specials. I I have a little Oprah pin, and I put it I I put it on my collar for the record. So, oh, so she's always with you. Yeah. So you don't know, but the power is there. You know. So. Oh, yeah. I get it though. I totally get it. I, I, I'm a woman of your generation, and I get all of that. that that's beautiful. I'm trying to explain to my daughter the magnitude of Oprah is really fascinating because she's 10 and she's like, but why? And I'm like, but what do you mean? Yeah. Like, you know, just, yeah. just just shut your mouth and watch the YouTube clip. Now, do you see, because when I was a kid, I'd come home from school and then Oprah would start Same. 15 minutes after. So I'd get home, make myself a lunch or a juice or whatever, go sit down, watch Oprah, then go do my homework. Yeah, and we lived the journey with Oprah, yeah, you know? Yeah. The whole journey. And everything. Big Oprah, little Oprah, big Oprah, little Oprah, medium Oprah, big Oprah, little Oprah, you know? Yeah. Happy Oprah, sad Oprah. Yeah. yeah. Spiritual Oprah. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm loving totally. your journey. You're a life giver. You're a joy giver, oh, babe. Thank you. And I'm loving thank it. Thank you. And I really, I punched the sky when I read about you on uh, on The Masked Singer. I really did for so many reasons. I was like, that's crazy, Channel 10, and crazy in the, just the greatest bloody way that we need in these shit COVID times. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be amazing. 
Ursula Carlson, who you can follow on every social media platform known to man, you can see on Australia's Masked Singer, and you can watch right now on Netflix in Overqualified Loser. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee. If you liked it, why not leave us a nice review and five stars? It's good karma. We'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.